Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, so we're in part two of a series. Go ahead and get your Bible out. Turn to Psalms for me. We're in part two of a series called A Generous Life. I love this time of year. I love this season. I I do love the colder weather. To be honest with you, I'm glad it's a little cooler. I I love football. I love everything in football all day. And so I I love the season that we're in right now. I love Thanksgiving's coming, Christmas is coming. It's just a great time. We're finishing the year strong. Uh, We're burning up October, fixing to hit November. Um, I love that my birthday, you all all know it now on the 6th, is coming. I love that. And uh, no, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really, I'm not. Forgive me, Lord. Uh, but I love this time of the year because it just gives us a great opportunity to be a tree of the lost and hurting world. Uh, you know, this church has such a generous heart. That is the, the heart of this church. It always has been as it was planted 34 and a half years ago that we knew that we were here to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world, to make a difference, make an impact. And in fact, that's that probably the thing that I hope that we're all remembered for, or known for the most, is that our lives mattered, that we made a difference. Above all else, that we made a difference. And uh, you know that that heart of generosity is what is in the heartbeat of God, and for God so loved the world that he gave, and so uh, he is a generous God, he's a good God, he's a faithful God, and our lives are to reflect the generosity of our Heavenly Father. I mean, we're not living our life on behalf of ourselves, but on whom we represent, which is God, and, and our generosity, the Bible says, will, will uh, turn into thanksgiving from others towards God, so lives will be touched and impacted by our life of generosity, again, reflecting the generosity of our Heavenly Father. So that is our mission, that is our purpose, is to live our life in a way that will truly reflect the heart of God. Uh, and in today's world, again, sadly, we see too many uh, Christians that look like they're just angry all the time or whatever, and I just always want to say, I know we have good days and bad days, but come on, we're so blessed because of who Jesus is in our lives and what he's done, amen? So we need to express that to this lost and hurting world. So we're talking about a life of generosity. What are we known for? And then looking in the word to make sure that our lives are in line with the word, because the word of God is blessed, it has power, and when you get your life in line with the word of God, then you walk in the blessing and power of God. So uh, I want you to um, get with me this morning in in some notes, or you can go back and listen to it, and and let's talk about a life of generosity or a generous life, and let's take a look first in uh, Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23, 7, let me read that for you. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now last week, we kicked off this series with looking at generosity as a heart attitude or a heart condition. It really begins with the heart. So the Bible says the important thing is make sure that you have a heart of generosity. Cultivate that, nurture that, because out of that, you will think a certain way, and if you think a certain way, you will do things a certain way. As you think, you do. Would that be correct? I mean, however we think, we do. What's in our heart is what will come out in our thoughts, and our thoughts will be expressed in our actions. And so what we're living out truly is a reflection of our heart and what we're thinking about. So this morning, we're talking about, last week we talked about a heart attitude or heart condition, and now we're talking about right thinking or the way that you think. Because unless you think right, you won't do right. And let's just be honest, the thought process of the world is contrary to the thought process of the Word of God. And probably a lot of us think we're being generous or living a godly life, but maybe not so much as the Bible expresses it because we do live in a world that's constantly trying to program us or infiltrate our our mind or our thoughts based on the culture and thinking of the world. In fact, Romans 12, 2 says this, 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't think like the world thinks. And it's a constant. It's constantly pulling on you, trying to train you and get you to think the way the world thinks. But don't conform to the thought process of this world, but be transformed, change the way you think by the renewing of your mind. You can change the way you think, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will and his pleasing perfect will is for you and I. And that's what we do here. That's why it's so great that you're here this morning. We had a great time of worship, amen. We got to enter into worship, cast our cares upon him, prepare our heart for the word. Now we're gonna sit under the word, but really what are we doing? We're renewing our minds from the, from the worldly thoughts of this week because we've had six, seven days now and of, the, of, the, of the world's mindset just bombarding us and everywhere we go, and now we gotta cleanse all that out, if you will, get all that out. You don't have to wait till Sunday or Wednesday. You realize that, right? You should do it every day. In fact, the Bible says, Paul says, I renew my mind daily. You have to, or without even knowing or realizing it, your thoughts will conform to the thought process of the world. And you'll reason and justify, well, yeah, that's okay, that's the way it is, but not if it's not in line with the word of God. And so that's what we're trying to get, godly thinking, and so we got to get our mind right. So 1 Timothy 6.17, last week we talked about this passage, we're going to be here probably the whole series, and this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to his spiritual son, his spiritual son being Timothy. This is a letter written to Timothy, a pastor of a church. Now a lot of his letters were written to churches, this one's written to Timothy the pastor and how he is to address or instruct his church, and he says this in verse 17, command or instruct those who are rich, say rich. We're going to go with that mindset today because if we're talking about being blessed and we need to know what this word means and what that looks like in the scripture. Command those who are rich in this present world. It says present world implying that there's another world and we know that there is, the coming age, which is heaven, which in fact heaven is a lot longer, eternity is a lot longer than this temporary life, you realize that. This present world, the Bible says, is but a mist or but a vapor, but the coming age is eternity. So we need to be eternally minded. So... uh, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, talking about the way we think, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, it changes constantly, it's up and down, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Say enjoyment. Do you realize God wants you to have stuff and he wants you to enjoy it? I just want you to know I am so tired of this poverty mentality for believers. It is not of God because it takes resources to get the gospel out. Now, there's a reason and purpose for blessing, but God wants you to enjoy it. Why would God put in here that it's for you to enjoy if you are supposed to not have anything, right? I mean, somehow we think suffering, them suffering for Jesus makes us holy. And can I just say this with all the love I can and respect I can, Jesus suffered so you wouldn't have to, all right? He wants you to enjoy stuff, but he doesn't want the stuff to have you. There's a difference there. It's for a reason and for it's a purpose. So it's not bad. What's bad is when it has you, but he does want you to enjoy it. And so that also means to me that guess what? You get to keep some of it. Because people will say, you need to sell everything you have and give everything to the poor and to the needy. Well, how are you going to live then? What good are you going to be to the gospel? Right? You need to have, this tells me that you, wanna, you need stuff. You've got to have stuff to live and God wants you to have that. So don't buy into the other. Okay, let's keep going. Enough of that one. Okay, command them, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, there's our word, and willing to share. And so we need to be doing good, be rich in good deeds, be generous and willing to share. And then listen to 19. In this way, when you do that, here's what will happen. You will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation of the coming age. Do you realize that you, can, you can't take stuff with you to heaven, but you can send it on ahead? You, obviously, you have a heavenly account. 
And I don't know what, some of us may be bankrupt, I don't know. We may have insufficient funds, I'm not sure. But, but there are some things that we can do, the Bible says, to put some stuff in our heavenly account. And obviously, five times in the scripture, it says to lay up treasure in heaven. Something's trying to be conveyed to you and I. That must mean that in this coming age, which is eternity forever, then you must have some need of that. So understand that you're laying up treasure in heaven. And then it says, also, you may take hold of the life that is truly alive. The life God always intended, my Bible says doing good, doing good deeds, be generous, be willing to share, leads me to the life I always wanted. The world would say, hold on to everything, make it about you, and that'll give you the life you always wanted. Not according to the scripture, that's wrong thinking. And so if we buy into that world's way of thinking, then our actions will follow, right thinking, right doing. And so the question is here then, why does there have to be a passage of scripture teaching rich people Command those to be rich, that are rich, teaching rich people how to be rich. <laughs> am I really? Am I right? I mean, it says command those who will be rich to be rich in this, be rich in that. Why does there need to be a passage of scripture teaching people, rich people, how to be rich? And my answer for that is because they're not very good at it. I mean, we think that we are. We're going to talk about that for just a moment, that mindset. So keep in mind the way we think and having this rich mindset. Now, that's not a bad thing. And really, let me define rich in my terms and what I be- believe according to the scripture is having your needs met. I'm not saying having everything you want. I'm saying having your needs met. So we're going to define that a little bit more as we go along. But there's a passage of scripture teaching rich people how to be rich. And I believe the answer is because they're not very good at it because of the way they think. And understand this, the more Americans make, the less they give. Now, I don't want to guilt. Don't, don't be moved by guilt. I'm not taking a special offering. Let me go ahead and, and say that right now. So, uh, but I want to look at reality. And statistically speaking, or factually speaking, as income rises with Americans, their giving decreases. Sad but true. It is a proven fact. And by and large, having more does not mean doing more. I mean, that's what we think, right? If I just get more, I get more. Well, you never have enough. And so let's look for a moment as to why. As to why riches, we're not very good at being rich. Number one, rich people don't like to admit they're rich. Oh, no, I'm not rich, not me, don't worry. If I was to ask today how many of you are rich, probably nobody would raise our hand because, number one, maybe it would be embarrassing or we'd, people, we'd be afraid people would come ask us for something, maybe, I don't know. But probably, I'd ask you for a bunch of candy for the event, I'll just tell you right now, though. But, but probably, we, we don't, we don't want to identify with that. We don't want to be identified with that for whatever reason. Now, we like to be identified with things like being tall and looking good in a sweater vest and a tie. I identify with that, I'm okay with that. We identify with being a good athlete. Yeah, that's me. We identify being smart. Or you seem great. But when it comes to this, we don't typically identify with that. And I think, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a mindset. It's a mindset that we miss. And most people aren't going to say that they're rich. And I don't think any of us probably would raise our hand. But interestingly enough, there was a Gallup poll that was done with Americans. And Americans were asked, how much money would you have to, to make to be rich? How much money would you have to make to be rich? And here was the answer in this Gallup poll. The response, the predominant response was, rich was $150,000 of household income a year. That's what the response came back, $150,000 household income. But if you ask those, and they asked those that made $150,000 of household income, if they were rich, they said no. <laughs> I don't know who they asked, they didn't ask me, I wasn't polled at, but that's not, right? I mean, I just, I don't know who they polled at, now that's not near enough. 
It's interesting that whatever we define or say is rich, when you talk to people that have, quote unquote, those resources, they'll be the first one to tell you they're not rich. It's not, that's not true. So then they asked, they asked people that were, had a household in, combined income between 30 and $40,000 a year, combined income in the house, what do they consider, how much money do they consider being rich? And they responded with 75,000 in combined income. But the people that made $75,000 in combined income said that they weren't rich. I don't know who you're talking to. I don't know who you're talking about, but we're not rich. And then they sent out, uh, uh, they did a, a poll or a survey to people that subscribed to Money Magazine, and they asked them, how much money do you consider having to be rich? And they responded, those that read Money Magazine, their predominant answer was $5 million. And so now we're kind of thinking, okay, yeah, you're kind of getting there now, I guess. But then you ask the people that made $5 million, and they said, no, we're not rich. I don't know who you're talking to. So basically what we know is no one is rich, but we know somebody who is, all right? I mean, and it's, it's a mindset. It's just the, the thought process. So who is rich? Well, let me give you this bit of information. Well, if you make between $44,000 to $48,000 combined household income a year, you are in, now listen to me, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. You are in the top 1% of wage earners in this world. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That you're in the top 1% of wage earners in this world. And you may say that I don't even make that amount. And to which I would say, okay, if you have running water, you are better off than most people in this world. If you're not going out to the village well or to the river and carrying it back home and boiling it, you're better off than most people in this world. If you have clean water, you're better off than most people in this world. See, I think the way we think is faulty. And so I believe, really, that, hey, listen, Americans, we are blessed. We are blessed, amen? We're truly blessed. Or, let's use the Bible word, we're rich. We are. We are. And so, Paul's really telling Timothy to speak to us. Command those who are rich, you and I. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, New Living Translation says this. You know the generous grace, God generous the Lord is, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which we're all thankful for. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you could be made rich so that you could be blessed. In other words, he did it so you would make a difference with it. That's why you're in the 1%. Do you realize that? He did it so that you would make a difference with it, and he puts you in the 1%. So if you are rich, and honestly we all are, it's because God trusts you to do something with it. Did you get that? God trusts you to do something with it. That's why you're in the 1%. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this. You will be enriched in every way. Say every way. In your marriage, in your, your relationships, in your body, in your mind, in your finances, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, you'll be rich and blessed in every way, so you can be generous on every occasion, and so this is our assignment. That's our assignment. We've been blessed, so we can be a blessing. Let me give you another thing about uh, the, the rich mindset, if you will, uh, the, the challenge with it. Rich people are plagued by discontentment. Rich people are plagued by discontentment. If you have stuff, the more stuff you want. Isn't that true? 
I mean, if you have, I mean, think about your kids. No, I'm just kidding. If you have stuff, the, not my kids. <laughs> Are they in here? Oh, okay, good, no. Uh, if you have stuff, the more stuff you want. That's just our human nature. It's the way we think. The more stuff you have, it does not satisfy the appetite. And appetite is an interesting thing, is it not? An appetite is never really truly quenched. It just grows. Come on. Mm, I can't wait to get me some of that. I'm going to eat some of that. And guess what? You're going to want more and more and more, right? I can't wait to have me some of that. You know what it is? It opens you up to, I can have more of this. And so let's understand that there's never a satisfaction. It just creates a desire for more. And in fact, let's take a look uh, really here at Ecclesiastes 5. The more you have, the more you actually want. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Let's, let's go on the next, okay. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Hey, there you go. So what good is wealth, except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. The more you have, the more you want if your mind is not in the right place. So understand this, the bigger, more expensive stuff you buy your kids at Christmas, they're still going to play with the box. <laughs> I mean, right? It's just kind of the way it is, right? And maybe you've, uh, maybe you've heard of these kind of people, these kind of rich people, right? You've heard of the rich, the rich people that have a, a room in their house just dedicated to clothes. <laughs> they have a room in their house just dedicated to clothes, and they go there every day and stand there and say, look, I have nothing to, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? See, we obviously all know people like that. It's, not to make a joke or make anybody feel bad, but honestly, we just don't have the right mindset. If we don't think right, we won't do right. And so we're here to make a difference and make an impact. So we gotta get our thinking in line with the word of God. Uh, let me give you this one. Rich people live with a false sense of security. If you're not thinking right, you live with a false sense of security. They actually believe they can have enough to be secure. Let's take a look at Proverbs 18:11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. It's my protection, it's my safety. What I have makes me safe. They imagine meaning, it's not true, but they think that it is, it's a wall too high to scale. That's probably a scripture most of us have never read before. But understand, this is talking about a false sense of security based on your stuff. Your security does not come from stuff. It does not come from provision, it comes from the provider, amen? And so it doesn't matter how much stuff you have, you're never really truly secure. If I get enough stuff, if I build it high enough, we think no one can touch me. So if that uh, being true, that begs the question, if that's true, then how much money would you need to secure your future against all imaginable eventualities? And the answer obviously is more than you currently have. So what, what happens is then if we don't have the right mindset, we try and collect it, hang on to it right? Hoard it. It creates in us a false sense of security. But understand, having stuff is not a bad thing. We've already talked about it, but let's go here for just a moment that it's wise to have savings. It's wise to have margin, right? It's unwise to spend more than you bring in, okay? That's in the Bible. (laughs) And listen, it's good to have something to hand down to your kids. Bible talks about inheritance, your children and your children's children, and so understand that we're not talking about that aspect, but the mindset of just hoarding stuff because we think it gives us a sense of security. 
if we think it will actually bring us any kind of safety, it won't. The Bible says, in fact, if we think that way, that all of a sudden our eyes, our focus goes off of the provider to the provision. And the Bible says that's just temporary. And so all these challenges are, are thinking, and sometimes our thinking needs to be replaced because right thinking leads to right doing. So what do we do? What do we do? And then here's where some would say, and when you talk about money, you always here's what some would say, ah, okay, now we're gonna get to the part where he's gonna take up the offering. Well, I am gonna take up an offering at the end of service, but I'm taking not a special one. I want you to understand that this is really a biblical principle that will benefit your life because it is the word of God. It's not for anyone or anything to get gained from. And so I'm not asking you to give all you have and give to the poor. I'm not asking you to do any of that. In fact, I don't want you to feel guilty in my message or these messages. Guilt is a terrible motivator. And understand again, I'm not asking you to suffer for Jesus and give everything you have because Jesus already suffered for you. He wants you to have stuff and to enjoy it. But I don't want you to feel guilty. Listen, I don't want you to be guilty. I want you to be grateful. Because getting our thinking right begins with gratefulness. I will be grateful. That's my response. I will be grateful. Now listen, out of all the countries, and listen, we, we've been to some countries. In fact, my, my wife and I, we just got back a little, a little while ago from India. And, you know, can I say this without saying anything hurtful or mean to people in India? I'm thankful that I'm an American and God put me here on the planet. I don't know why he put me here and them there. But my, my heart goes out to them, but you know what? With, uh, that means we have a greater responsibility. But out of all the countries of the world, God put you in the good old U.S. of A., thank the Lord. Out of all the states in the good old U.S. of A., he put you in his favorite, Texas. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> out of all the places in Texas, he brought you here to this area. Out of all the churches, great churches in this area, he brought you to this one. Hey, praise the Lord. We have much to be thankful for. Amen. I'm grateful for that. For a reason, for a purpose, and we're grateful for that. We're thankful that God put us here together. He put us together, and we get to do this together. We get to be a blessing together, and we ought to look up to heaven and say, thank you, God, for bringing us here and putting us on mission to be a tree life to a lost and hurting world. We get to impact people's lives all over the world, here in our country and all over the world, and we thank God for that. We're grateful for that. We thank God that he blessed us. And when you have that attitude of gratitude, if you will, when you believe that it wasn't because of anything that you've done or your wisdom or your own strength or your own ability or creativity, ideas, understand he gave you all that. If you're not taking credit for that and you realize that he put that in you and he put you right here, then you become grateful. You become grateful. You know, no, I don't like, just a little side note, and I just spent a couple days um, in San Antonio, Monday night, Tuesday night, actually, some meetings, and with some great friends and people I know, some ministers, pastors around the state of Texas, and and typically this happens when you stand around, you start talking about church and all that kind of stuff, which I love to do, because I love our church. And so, but, you know, you start talking to people, like, well, how's it going, man? How's how's church? And I'm like, well, you know, just living by faith, you know, day to day, brother, praise God, got up today, his mercy's new every morning. You know, it's almost like you feel bad to say anything good. Well, how are you doing, Pastor Don? Oh, you know, you know, you know. I mean, it's like you feel bad. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Man, we're great. We're doing good. You know, since September here at Tree of Life, we've seen 191 people give their heart to Jesus Christ right here. God's good. You know what? 
In one week, we get to see 2,500 plus people come onto this campus, families and kids, and just maybe the presence of the Holy Spirit here and our serving and loving them, maybe the Holy Spirit will tug their heart into church if they're on church one day, but at least they'll know there's the people that love them and are here to serve them and make a difference in their life. You know what? We're blessed to do what we get to do because every time we gather together, God shows up and changes our lives. You know what? We're blessed. We have a sister church that's celebrating its fifth anniversary next weekend in Leon, Mexico. You know what? We're supporting 10 missionaries reaching an unreached people group. You know, that's what I want to say, but I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God because I know me. I know my capabilities. I know what I'm capable of and not capable of. It's God and it's all of you. It's all of us together being generous with everything God's given us, living a life of generosity, getting our thinking lined up with the word so we start acting like the word of God says to act and see what God does to change the hearts and lives of people. Amen? That's what it's about. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we're your pastors. I'm grateful we get to do life and ministry together. We get to do this together. We get to make a difference. I want this church to be known for a church that makes a difference. I don't want to be known for the 54 acres that we're blessed to have. I don't want to be known for the big tent looking thing, which is kind of a landmark for the Air Force guys when they're flying over. I'm gonna paint something on top says service times or whatever when they're flying over, right? I want to be known for people that will take whatever they have, whatever God's given them, working together to make a difference and change people's lives. That's what I want to be known for. We're grateful for that. We're grateful we just get to come be a part of this. Amen? And I just love that God's working in us and through us. Really, it's all a miracle. It doesn't happen without God. God is amazing. We're serving a great God. And we want to do as much as we can. He's given us the opportunity. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 14, King David was going to build the temple They'd been wandering in the wilderness with a big tent they'd have to set up every time. And God said, it's time to build a temple, a place of worship. And so David got together with the people of there of, of Israel, and, and he led the way by giving. And the Bible says, I think, I think if you translate it all right, the Bible says he gave like 110 or 100 tons of gold, which is an astronomical figure today. And, and all the people rallied behind him, and they all started giving, giving very generously. And here's what they said, First Chronicles uh, 29, 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Let's just give him thanks for a minute. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, God, for your blessing. Thank you, God, for your generosity. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in and through us, for bringing us here. We're grateful. That's the right thinking. And you'll start acting the right way. Grateful. Understand this. Gratitude makes us more generous. Gratitude makes us more generous. So what do we do? We lead with generosity. I will lead with generosity. In other words, before I spend, I give. It's a priority in my life. God wants you to have stuff. We've already said that. But he doesn't want the stuff to have you. So he built in a principle called the tithe. So that you could be reminded that stuff doesn't have you and it all belongs to God. I know people say it's the law. It's not the law. It was 400 years before the law. I believe it's a principle. A principle is still true today. It's a principle then, it's a principle now, and there's lots of New Testament support in all that. But listen, it's so that we can make the God first our life principle. 
When we give to God, we give to God first. And it's a percentage, so it's not about the amount because it's different for everybody based on their income, so it's equal for everybody. We all can participate. It's percentage giving. I'll talk about that in another one. But tithing is not your business transaction with the church. Tithing is God is first. It's a God first principle. Before I do anything else, I'm gonna lead this way and it keeps my discontentment in check. It keeps my mind focused on where it needs to be, should be. Matthew 6, 21 says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. Look at the order because I've misquoted this. People misquote this. People misteach this all the time. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It says your heart will follow your treasure. Did you get that? It's not where my heart is, then the the treasure's gonna follow. It's where your treasure is, then your heart follows. So here's my question to you. Where do you want your heart to be? Have you thought of it like that? Where do you want your heart to be? I want my heart in feeding the poor, then give towards that. I wanna have a bigger heart for missions, pastor, the law, you talk about India, you talk, then you know what, give to that, and you will, your heart will grow for that. I want, I want my heart to grow for, for kids that don't have parents, for orphans, you know what, then give to the missions, then we support that, and guess what, your heart will grow to that. You get the picture here. I want people to come, I wanna bring the green bag full of stuff, because I want people that don't have to have, then give towards that. It's a biblical principle. Your heart follows your treasure. Where do you want your heart to be? And we all need to have a heart for all those things. And so our heart will follow our treasure. My, my heart to be greater for hurting people than give towards things that help hurting people. It's a principle in the scripture. How do you, how do, you do that then? Are you asking me to give it all away? Or are you asking me to, to, to you know, sell everything and give it to the poor? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm asking you to give part and give it first. And your heart will follow it. Because you need to have stuff. It's okay. And so we have things for you to do. We have things like you saw the outreach bag. Next week is Mission Sunday. Come prepared to give to missions next Sunday. Have a heart for the world. Acts 20, 35, message paraphrase says this. And everything I've done, I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not to exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master Jesus said, you're far happier giving than getting. You're happier giving than getting. Generosity leads, heart follows. The Bible says, listen, listen, the Bible says to bring that to your storehouse, your church. And if it's not here at Tree of Life, then find it. Find a storehouse. I'm not telling you to leave, that's, up, that's between you and God, I, I'm glad that you're here, but listen, if you don't believe in the vision, if you don't believe in the mission, then go where you do, because you got to get your treasure there so your heart will follow it. You have got to give to God first so you'll walk in his blessing. So if it's not here, and then I hope it is, I hope we can keep doing life and ministry together for a long time, then find the place, because this is too important for you to miss out on what God wants to do in your heart and life through generosity. If not here, then find it, because you need your heart there. You need your heart at that place. And let me give you the last one. I'll put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. 
Proverbs 30, eight through nine says this. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. I wanna think on what's right. I wanna think on what's true. I don't want my mind to be cluttered with other things. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. I wanna keep things in the right perspective. Otherwise, if I don't, if I'm thinking wrong, I may, have too, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal. My actions won't be proper because my thinking's not proper and so dishonor the name of my God. But we need to understand that our thinking is so important. We keep our hope in him. There is so much scripture about money and about giving. And the reason why is God knew that it would be the chief competitor for your soul. God knew that it would be the chief competitor for your soul. Your only hope is the Lord. But if your thinking's not right, things, money, resources will compete for your affection, your attention, your worship. You'll worship things instead of God. You'll you'll set yourself up as provider instead of God as provider. Listen, Jesus said you cannot serve both. You cannot serve two masters, God and money. You'll either hate the one and love the other, despise the one or be devoted to the other. You cannot serve both. And listen, it makes no sense for us to put our hope in the provision when we can put it in the provider. Personal, intimate relationship with the provider. So the principle here is, I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. God is a good and faithful God. He's got a great plan for your life. And if you will live a life of generosity, not only will you store up treasures in heaven for eternity, which is a whole lot longer than the short time on the planet, but you will live the life that is truly life here on the earth. And that's what we all want. But listen, our lives, our life of generosity helps make a difference in the lives of those around about us. A tree of life to a lost and hurting world. And if you're taking care of what's dear to God's heart and that's lost people, he will take care of you. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.